When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's interesting for me because I didn't have that traumatic experience where this this event shaped my life and this is why I'm just, I lived in the middle. I lived kind of right, right in that period of like, everything's fine until it's not fine. And I remember it was, I was 10. And this is when my awareness came awake for the first time was, uh, my dad always had heart problems and he always, he's had three heart attacks, just constantly worried about things and he could just sense it he was just tight is worried about money worried about his job worried about us worried about and he died because he could not fix his heart and it was just always because of that a healthy guy ran three miles a day um and i remember thinking man i don't want to go down that road you know here i am i don't have my dad now because of the way he thinks i'm knocking doors down with todd steinberg Todd tried a ton of different methods, including medication to relieve his anxiety. But as when he went back to 17th century Japanese monk teachings is when Todd found a natural way. After going down his breathwork journey, Todd became the president of Kamuso, a necklace concept that slows people's exhale to eight seconds, calming the entire nervous system. We also get into his childhood and some other interesting topics as well. Of course, we finish with random questions and Todd leaves us with the final thoughts. And hey, while you're checking Knocking Doors Down out, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And if you get a lot out of this podcast, share with a friend. And don't forget the archive of interviews we have. Bam Margera, Brandon Novak, Kat Von D, Charlie Sheen, Edward Furlong, Kelly Osborne. The list goes on and on of amazing guests that have been on the podcast sharing how they have found purposeful lives. Speaking of purpose, how about a lifestyle brand with purpose? 5150 LTM. That's right. Not only is it a lifestyle brand that can fit whatever it is you're trying to achieve in life, but they give back to the community. Right now, I am wearing my new 5150 hat, warm weather jacket. As well, I got my new 5150 joggers on that I like to wear around the winter time. And you, the listener of Knocking Doors Down, get 20% off every time you shop at 5150LTM. All you have to do is use the code KDD20 at checkout and get 20% off. And of course, I said it helps within the community. And how does 5150 give back to the community? Portions of the sales benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation. There are three amazing programs, the Race to End the Stigma, the Race for Autism, and the race to be drug-free. More on the Carlos Vieira Foundation, go to carlosvierafoundation.org. Todd Steinberg, thank you for joining me on Knocking Doors Down. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. I'm looking forward to getting into it, uh, uh, talking about your, your product, the shift, breath work, all these different things, anxiety, men shedding light finally on the things that they think and feel and are going through. But I like to start uh, with gratitude. Uh, three things you're grateful for today. Uh, I got to start with breathing. I How many people can be grateful to take a breath? The only reason you're not aware of it is because when you can't breathe, like you're underwater, or maybe there's some blockage there, you realize how powerful that, that feeling is. Uh, grateful for my family and grateful that this idea found me. That's an interesting way to premise it. Why do you say this idea found you? I think things in our lives find us. We just have to have the awareness to see it and to actionize it. Um, this idea of breathing found me. I didn't even realize I was breathing until I was 34 years old. Uh, it might sound wild, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we take 20,000 breaths a day, but I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how I was breathing and how that mattered until uh, my one of my best friends who's a therapist called it out. He's like, hey, man, I could see you're breathing into your chest. Do you, do you realize that? And I kind of brushed it off. Like, nah, it's don't worry about it. He's like, no, no, I, this is it's causing things. Like, I'm gonna call attention to it, and that it, that elicited the boom, the volcano of uh, of awareness. And my life's been different ever since. 
it's funny you said that. <laughs> you go, I'm you're breathing into your chest, and I went, oh my gosh, I'm breathing into my chest, and wow, yeah, the value of just our breath. I've never thought of it. Something we just incredibly take for granted. Well, you look at it, right? And it's part of our autonomic nervous system. You know, what does that mean? It's just autopilot. Don't worry about it. It's happening all by itself. Leave it. You know, it's while it's part of the autonomic nervous system, it's, and it's automatic, we actually do have control over it. And I think what, where I was missing it, where a lot of people miss it is that a lot of people don't know that the brain is tied to your breath your lungs and your diaphragm communicate all day with your brain. And, you know, like right now, anyone who's listening, pay attention to how you're breathing. Uh, are you breathing into your upper chest? Are your shoulders increasing as you breathe? Or are you breathing into your belly? Meaning, are your is your rib cage expanding? That alone can change how you feel right now. And I know that a lot of people get into the cliches of like, oh, just take a deep breath, right? Sweet, cool. It's like live, laugh, love. That, that sounds nice. But are you really doing it right? And if you're doing it right, are you taking one of those breaths? Because if you breathe 20,000 times a day, one breath is not going to make a difference. If you can change the pace of your breath, that's going to change your state of mind. And I think what I like to talk about is, man, it's hard to control all the thoughts, right? 50,000 thoughts per day. It's a, That's a lot of thinking. But we can't control our breath. And if we control our breath to a point where we're maybe taking a nice deep inhale for four seconds and then exhaling for four seconds, that alone is going to send a signal to your brain telling your brain, Hey, relax. Everything's everything's okay. Rather than living in that, like that intermediate phase of fight or flight, which just means you're like kind of tight. Doesn't mean you're freaking out. Doesn't mean that you're you know about to explode, but we are just caught in this rhythm of being tight. And you could tell, and that's where my therapist friend told me, he's like, hey, man, I can tell your shoulders are a little kind of, kind of tense. And that's what leads to us to make those bad decisions of like, man, I need a drink or like, I need to take the edge off somehow or I need a cigarette, anything, right? It's like, well, maybe you just need a deeper breath and that can lead you down the right path. So all this happened for me in a matter of minutes and it was like, whoa, I had to unpack it all. And it's it's all fascinating because it's these are not things are so basic unbelievably basic, but these are not things that any of us ever talk about because it's just, it's not on TV yet, or it hasn't been taught in school, or it's just not actionable. And that's where I'm trying to scream it from the rooftops. Like, Hey, there's something really simple, stupid that you can do. And it works every time. Yeah. Maybe it's not sexy enough. You know, <laughs> we can't put bikini models up next to it and say, this is your relaxation or <laughs> You know, especially for men, like our, our, our not stupid brain, but the basics of our brain, you know, that uh, can gravitate towards different, different things. And it, you nailed it there when you were talking about the drink. That was me. Like everything was extremely tense and I didn't even have the ability to recognize or know, wow, this is, this is anxiety. So anxiety is, is, is interesting, right? Like, where does it come from? Why does it happen? And that's where let's, let's get to the root of it, right? Let's talk about it. So uh, I, by the way, I'm a student of this. I am not a doctor, scientist, uh, wellness leader. I, I'm none of these things, guys. I am your everyday Joe that uh, was just caught up in a, in a a cycle of like a pattern of thinking that wasn't healthy for me. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it was really it's called high functioning anxiety. There's actually uh, a condition, I guess now that a lot of us suffer from. And it's it's like w we can function, right? but you can look good, feel good, or think you feel good, but you're actually not because what you're doing isn't normal. It wasn't ever supposed to be normal. But understanding why it happens is, is, is the key, right? So you go back to the amygdala in the brain. The amygdala is just like this almond-shaped size in your brain, that this part in your brain that that is a good thing. It senses threats, right? But it's always scanning. So it's like beep, 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 beep. It's, it's, it's this radar that's detecting, oh, the, you know, I'm in a dark alley, you hear a noise. Let's activate <laughs> missile launch, right? Like let's get the adrenaline up. Let's get the cortisol pumping. Um, let's get the muscles activated. And that's great when you need to fight someone or when you need to get the hell out of where, where you are. How often does that happen, right? How often are you needing to, to, to literally fight somebody? Not often, hopefully, right? So what happens is we're living in this like semi fight or flight mode because, and this is silly, but we get 100 notifications to our phone every day. 150 actually is the average. 
you get the notification to your phone. Give me an example here. And you haven't even checked it yet, but automatically in your brain, it's you're about to receive information and your brain is getting ready for it. And it's worried about it. What if it's a bad message? What if this is a negative message? What if it's something that I'm going to have to deal with? So you're already, it's called tech apnea. So what happens is you're looking at your phone or your screen, whatever it is, and you're, you're holding your breath for one, two, three seconds, whatever it is, or your breath becomes really shallow. And then that signals your brain to say, uh oh, time to engage. Let's launch the missile sequence. And we do this like a few hundred times a day. There's consequences to that. And it's that we're like overreacting to the stimuli. So, and I know this is like a lot of information, but for me, it all happened at once. It was like, wait, whoa. I know that I, look, I have an addiction to my phone. I'm not going to stop that. I need the information. I have to work. I have to communicate. Um, you know, the 50,000 thoughts are going to come and 80% of those are negative, but that's hard to stop those because they just keep originating. But one thing I can choose to do is, is to slow my breath. And if I can slow my breath, I can change how I feel, but it's becoming aware of your breathing. That's the most important. So the anxiety is always going to be there because that amygdala is not going to stop, right? It's going to keep firing out those signals of like, what about this? What about that? What about this? And some of that is good, right? You want to be aware of your environment, but it's when it's overactive that you get this feeling of like that tightness in your chest. I had this, I had it in my early thirties, yeah. my twenties. It was just, I made teens. It was just always there. And I, it, it normalized, which is kind of sad, like to have tension become normalized, you're taking years off your life. And a lot of us turn to the wrong answers for that, right? You were saying drinks like that. So was I. So I think what you have to realize is that the thoughts, the thinking is okay, that can change. But if you can immediately put, you know, a marker in the ground is like, if I can change how I breathe, I can change how I feel. And man, that feels good. It feels good to to feel that power of like, I can control how I'm feeling. I haven't felt that in a long time or it always took something else to get me to feel that. So I love, I love talking about anxiety because a lot of people go in a different direction and I go in one and that's the, the awareness of it. It's actually called interoception. Um, mm. it's, it's the feeling of how often do you guys ask yourself? And this is a simple question. Again, it's all simple stuff, but how do I feel? How mm. often do you do that? Every day, how often do you ask yourself, how do I feel right now? Maybe once. It's not good enough, right? Because if you're asking yourself how you feel, you're going to be sending out a message to your body saying, all right, let's do a systems check. Has the chest, has the shoulders, is the tongue on the roof of my mouth? Um, how am I breathing? Am I here right now? Or am I time traveling in the past? Am I going in the future? Like, So systems check is like, hey, how are we doing right now? And if you can ask that question, a lot more often, you're going to be able to make these little adjustments, right? Micro adjustments. You don't have to, you know, overwhelm yourself at the end of the day where you're like, oh my goodness, like I, I like, how did I get to this place where I'm sweating right now? You can make these micro adjustments. And that's where just that question of how do I feel can change your state of mind because you're actually checking in. It's like, oh, all right, actually, I'm a little tense right now. Why? All right, let's investigate it. Pull ourselves back, a few deep breaths. Okay, now I'm in a position where I can actually deal with it. The Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. I have odd situations, Todd. I don't know if you've ever this where I'll, I'll notice like I am holding my breath. It wasn't a conscious effort to do so, but like, I'm, I'm just not breathing. Like what the, why am I, why am I just sitting here? You know, I, I was in a meeting one time, uh, this is before the, the awareness of all this stuff. And I just, I, I, I wasn't, ha I just, I was, I was like, you was holding my breath and I didn't know why. And then all of a sudden I became so out of breath that I was, I was panting. 
in the meeting and I had to cover up for it. I remember someone called out. It's like, Hey, you're all right. It was like, Oh yeah. I just, I hurt my knee yesterday. So that's like, it's really acting up right now. And it's like, and inside I'm like, what the hell is going on <laughs> that I'm out of breath right now? I'm sitting down, you know? Uh, and I just, I just let it go. Right. Didn't know what it was until years later, I found out that, that the thoughts have to go somewhere. It, it builds somewhere and it, it has to be released. So you hold your breath. It's your body's response of saying, Hey, like, we're trying to help you out here. Obviously, there's something in the environment that's threatening, and there's and there's nothing. It's your mind that's sensing something that actually isn't there because you're thinking about something yeah. that's triggering it, right? So thoughts that trigger it. So it's how you perceive the environment creates the physiological response to the environment. So you're holding your breath, and in some cases, like you were just saying, you're realizing it. That's to the point where it's like too late. You're already activating the fight or flight. You're already tense. You're already it's already cortisol. And just to follow up on cortisol. Cortisol is dangerous because you need it as a stress response hormone, but it's producing this, this chemical in your brain that kind of like clouds your brain. It's your, in your prefrontal cortex, which is all your executive decision-making, right? The problem there is that it clouds it. You ever been in an argument and with someone and they, they're just not making sense? Like, like, dude, like, why can't you think clearly right now? I'm, I, this is all logical. And the person can't because they're angry and the, and the anger is the cortisol. It's clouding their ability to see like for that prefrontal cortex to actually like work through an issue logically, it clouds it. But then in 20 minutes, you're like, that person's like, oh, of course. It's like, well, where was that 20 minutes ago? Well, physiologically and neurologically, they just couldn't get there because there was all that going on. So once you've launched that and those chemicals are present and your muscles are tensed up, it's really hard to make good decisions. It's really hard to fall asleep. It's hard to be creative. It's hard to be cool in a, in a conversation like this, right? So that's where the breathing comes in. And that's where if you can reverse that breath within 90 seconds, the body starts coming right back to rest and digest. That's the state you want to live in. Again, unless you're fighting somebody. <laughs> I'm fascinated that you got to this point, but I want to know Let's start with little Todd. What was, you know, kind of life growing up and and going through these things and then the development of anxiety over time or it's interesting for me because I didn't have that traumatic experience where this this event shaped my life and this is why I'm just I lived in the middle. I lived kind of right right in that period of like everything's fine until it's not fine and I remember it was I was 10. And this is when my awareness came awake for the first time was uh, my dad always had heart problems and he always, he's had three heart attacks, just constantly worried about things. And he could just sense it. He was just tight, is worried about money, worried about his job, worried about us, worried about, and he died because he could not fix his heart. And it was just always because of that a healthy guy ran three miles a day. Um, and I remember thinking, man, I don't want to go down that road. You know, here I am. I don't have my dad now because of the way he thinks. Yeah. Thinking can kill us. Heart disease is still the number one killer in the U.S. Why is that? Well, obviously diet and exercise, exercise have a large role there. But we're not talking about thinking. And those 50,000 thoughts a day contribute to heart disease, hypertension. You know, you making your heart beat fast because you're thinking about something too often not good guys you know that's yeah. this is this leads to the arteries clogging up this leads to these these things happening so you fast forward and it's like i i started to pick up a pattern like him and it was i don't know if this is like biological but that there's a way to even know that but i started to get in this pattern of overthinking and that's the high functioning anxiety where it was like I'm just constantly rolling through things and i used to like mistakenly i used to think it was an asset i was like look at me I am high like this. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just burdened through thoughts and like right. I'm able to think better than you because because this this processing speed is so fast. The little did I know then, but that that was why I I mean in high school I I had to, you know, go to the doctor because I just I I was I was burning a hole in my stomach. I almost had an ulcer because it's just thinking and worrying and thinking and worrying and again, exterior all good. You know, like I wasn't that no one could see me and say, Hey man, like you, you, you probably need some help. Uh, it was manifesting in my stomach. So like I said, those, these thoughts manifest somewhere. Right. So, um, that was my story kind of growing up was it was never bad enough to the point where I needed to 
uh, get serious help. And that's, that was a problem because I, it was left unchecked for so long. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I went through all my twenties with it and, um, it was, you can diagnose it in a few ways. Like it was Tim Ferriss who said this, it's so compelling. He said, you can diagnose how happy you are or just call it how content you are. Cause happy is a tough word by how you go to sleep and how you wake up in the morning. Think about mm-hmm. those two, two things real quick. Do you fall asleep quickly at night? If you don't, why are you ruminating? Is it a press conference? Cause for me, it was, it was like, yes. I went to bed and it was like, Oh, now there's 40 people in the room <laughs> questions like Todd, Todd, Tell me about tomorrow. What are you going to do with this meeting? And and what's going on with this girl? And how are you not doing this yet? And what happened 10 years ago with that? It's like, it's like, guys, shut up. (laughs) And that's where I was. That was the first sign. Right. And then this is the most, I think the the key, it was waking up in the morning. How do you, how do you launch into your day? And I was launching into stress. It was like eyes open. Uh Oh, what's going to happen today? Running through my day. I don't want to do this. What if this happens? And it was like, that's just not a good way to live. And then that is compounding interest, right? It just keeps compounding in more and more stress. And that becomes normalized again. So I was always just kind of like living in this pattern of stress and overthinking. And that was my addiction. You know, a lot of people have addiction, different things. I was addicted to my thoughts and the thought pattern was wrong. So to undo that, to unfurl that in a way where you're understanding it and aware of it takes time. But, um, but that's where, you know, all these years had to go by and it, and it, and I had to have that. Yes, there was a major life event with my dad where it was like, whoa, that's a real consequence there that if I keep going down this path, now I'm going to leave early. With the, the understanding, and I don't think a lot of people do about how prevalent our negative thoughts are um, in a lot of it, primarily about ourself, self-image and so on. Did you uh, in addition to the breath work, is there other stuff you've incorporated to kind of change that up or have some some fail safes? I, you know, I have to catch myself. I, I can get down that road really quick of the negative self-talk. So one thing that's really helped me is the philosophy of stoicism. And mm. stoicism, it was kind of the combination of that and breath work because you need to breathe better and think better, right? So it's not just breathing better. You can't just throw, you know, a silver bullet at it. So the thinking better, it was, and it's this, this philosophy changed everything. And it is what gets in the way, what stands in the way becomes the way, right? So we perceive as this thing happened to me. It's like, I don't like it. You know, like, uh, you know, my investment went bad. It's like, I don't like it. Bad mood, stress. What am I going to do to fix it? So it's like, what if you can perceive that as this was supposed to happen this way? And because it's hard, it's good. So you're flipping something from a, this sucks into this is a good thing. And, you know, another way to look at it is the obstacle becomes the way. And and it's, and and it's, it's all, it's it's from Ryan Holiday. Uh, If you don't follow him, please do. The guy's incredible. Uh, Changed my life just by following him on social, believe it or not, and getting those daily emails. But it teaches you to, perceive something that's a threat and to unpack it to say, okay, this feels like it sucks, but what if this becomes my way and then inspires me to do more? Like, like if it wasn't for your life events that were terrible at the time, you wouldn't be here right now doing what you're doing, helping all these people. So you can't see that in the moment. So it's kind of like taking something that you're going to realize in two years, six months, whatever it is, and realizing it right now. And that's empowering because it gets you to actually, it doesn't push you down that road of great. Now my day is ruined and then I'm going to take it out of my wife or I'm going to have a drink or I'm going to treat this in a way where it's cyclical. And now it's a habit that every time there's something bad or a negative thought, I'm going to respond to it in the wrong way. So that, that for me changed everything. And I think we, a, we've got a quick fix society with so many things that, you know, this is the pill for every ill, whatever you want to call it. And a definite victim mentality. It's like, we've, we've almost justified it that, that like life is just something that happens to you. And if you approach it that way, you're going to always sit in some sort of subconscious way of conducting yourself. You know, there's not an intentional living, uh, an intentional 
focus, you know, you're maybe destination prone as opposed to, you know, the journey and what is going to be the ebb and flow of life. Yeah. But a lot of that is actionable. And like, think about this. Do you ever hear yourself complaining? Because if you do, you catch it right there. Don't be the victim. Don't, don't complain. It don't ever hear, catch yourself saying it's not fair because then you're already, <laughs> you've already got yourself in a place where <clears throat> you're the victim of the situation and now you render yourself defenseless against it. It's like, take it, take it and use it for something. I don't know what, but try to position it in a way where, where, you know, it, it's as simple as like, I'm, I'm late to work or late to an appointment or something and there's traffic. It's like, ah, immediately anger and frustration but you can't change it, right? And it's maybe happening for you because if it, maybe you got there on time, maybe there would have been a car accident or something. Like you, you gotta perceive things in a way where life is happening for you. Um, and if you don't, you're setting yourself up for this pattern of thinking. And this is where I was. It was it was not fair. Why does this person get to do this and I don't? And it's like, man, when you're comparing and you're victimizing you are not a fun person to be around. And I don't mean that in a sense of relationships. It's your relationship with yourself. Like your self-talk sucks. You wouldn't tell someone else that. So why would you be such a jerk to yourself if you wouldn't tell someone else? Well, well, well how'd you get yourself in that situation in the first place? You know, it's like easy, <laughs> you know, just work, work your way through it and get yourself to a place where it's like, all right, yeah, this like feeling right now, I don't like it, but like any feeling, I promise you, like clouds in the sky, it's going to pass. And the best metaphor I've heard about this is, it's like when you're looking at traffic, let's just pretend that you're sitting on a, on a bench looking at a street, there's all this traffic, right? All these cars coming by. And that's our thoughts, right? It's just like, there's one thought, all right, this thought, don't like it, but there it goes. So the feeling that you're feeling right now, you may feel that for 30 seconds, you may feel it for five minutes, you may feel it for an hour, but it is going to pass. And that feeling, and all of you that that uh, that have the addiction too is like the the feeling of I have to have this right now. If I don't have it, then, then I'm in trouble. That feeling is going to pass. It has to. Yeah. No feeling is constant, including the good feelings, right? Like the right. feelings of love and warmth and, and joy and excitement. Those are going to pass. But if you understand that, you're just just hang on, right? <laughs> because that feeling is going to pass and it's going to lead to something else. And that's where I, I like to bring in breath work because it's like, all right, don't like this thought, don't like this feeling. I understand they're going to pass, but I'm just sitting here hating it. Okay, let's just kick in some deep breaths, five in, five out. If you do that for 90 seconds to two minutes, I guarantee you're going to feel better about the situation because you're helping your brain unpack it in a way where it feels better. Tell me if I'm I'm wrong or not, you know, on target here with this too. Plus, when you start doing conscious breathing, you know, cause you're sitting, you know, counting it to them. I mean, you know, we, we could even do one together that, you know, one, two, three, four, five in, you know, and then the release all of a sudden you're, you're already focusing on something different anyways. You're having to, to, to consciously take your brain away from that negative place that you're wanting to escape. And, you know, you're, you're not using a substance or a person or, you know, your phone, whatever it is, it's, it's yeah. all within yourself. It's like, yeah, light bulb. But, whoa. <laughs> What's crazy too, is I think some people, there's a stigma about breathing like that too. It's like this new age monk on a mountaintop, you know, very like, uh, it, it like spiritual thing. And yeah, it can be right. For some people, holotropic breathing there, it gets, it goes into really, really cool places, but just like, like scientifically, it's just breathing differently. It's all it is. You're just breathing different to feel better. And when you're thinking about breathing, like you said, you're not where you were. You can't think two different thoughts at the same time. So if you're thinking about your breath, you're at least changing the channel in your mind. So let's say it was in a kind of a scary place or it's just like an annoying place, which it is most of the time, right? It's like, maybe it's not terrible, but it's like, eh, I don't really love it. You can change the channel. Just do the two minutes of it's called coherent breathing five in five out or even four in four out because i know five is sometimes hard to breathe that that long as long as you're slowing it down you're going to feel better and it, it's so interesting like you look at the animal kingdom a tortoise lives for about what 150 200 years in some cases right they're breathing they're taking three or four breaths per minute hmm. and you contrast that with a mouse 
for mice, they take a hundred breaths per minute and they live one to two years. Right. And I know that there's other reasons there, right? I, I'm not attributing all to, to breathing, but as humans, we take between like 17 to 20 breaths per minute, which is not great. And that's a word. That's how you're breathing right now. You're probably taking about 18 to 20 breaths per minute. And if you're over 20, you got, you got to really slow that down. The target is six. And I know that sounds crazy, but what that means is if you breathe 5.5 seconds in and 5.5 seconds out for a minute, you're probably going to average about six breaths per minute. And there's studies done by Stanford to pick up a book. If you're a reader, uh, pick up James Nestor's uh, breath. It's mm. going to change your life. Uh, mm. Because it talks about how if you breathe less, kind of sounds counterintuitive, but if you breathe less, you're going to live longer. You're going to feel better. The shape of your mouth and face will change by breathing into your nose. You're catching toxins. I mean, there is so much to breathing. And this is why I'm saying, like, this has changed my life. Like, it's wild, the different uh, nuances to breathing that no one ever taught us. But, but to go back to your point, just thinking about breathing is going to make you feel better. So it's like, like... I, I just want to keep shining light on, hey, guys, like how you breathe actually matters. It's not uh, placebo. It's not hyperbolic. Like this is the real deal. Um, and if you can focus on it and just be aware of it more, you're going to feel better. And one of my favorite quotes is uh, it's actually a financial quote, which is strange, but a rising tide lifts all boats. And what does that mean financially? Is that like, well, we're in a good market. You know, everybody does better because you know, stocks are increasing and, 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 you know, uh, interest rates are down. Like everyone's doing better when you breathe better, everything else gets better. You think better, you feel better, you can sleep better. You're able to talk to people better. You're able to talk to yourself better. You're waking up feeling better. Like it, it, it can be the one thing that can make you feel like 15 to 20% better every day. It's not a light switch. Right. But imagine just doing something free that is so hard to remember that you just do it more often. And because of that, now everything changes. It's pretty cool. How did it start to, uh, how did you notice the change in your interpersonal relationships? So it's, it's interesting, right? Like, so at the time I, uh, was in a relationship, just, just, uh, just got married actually. And I was studying myself when things got hot. Cause it was like, all right, we're in an argument right now. What's happening? Just take stock, right? Like what's going on with this conversation? Because I, I noticed like things get carried away pretty quickly. It's like, like in 10 seconds, it was like, whoa, we're in a, like a really hot moment right now that I don't know how this escalated so quickly. So what you, what, if you can separate yourself from yourself, you see that there's, again, going back to the prefrontal cortex and the cortisol, it's like, what are some signs that I'm probably not thinking clearly? And that's that I feel hot, right? I feel warm. So that's, that's one sign that I'm like, all right, anything I say right now, I have to be really careful because it's probably coming from a place of anger or fight or flight. So fight or flight is not going to help you. And if you're ha trying to have a conversation, it's like, how do I hurt this person? How do I, how do I win this argument? And I promise you, that's never going to help you. So for me, it was like, oh, I can see the temperature rising or feel it rising. What am I going to do? I'm going to slow my breath really, really into the nose, really, really quietly and out. And at about two minutes, I'm going to then begin to trust myself. And so I was, we were getting into fights less and those fights would end quicker and we were able to get past things quicker. And that obviously it really helped our, helped our marriage, obviously to this day. Um, and then with uh, business conversations, it was like, man, there's the slightest little nuance with uh, a conversation can lead the direct, can lead that conversation in a really bad place or a place where the other person's like, hmm. You know, like this isn't, I, I don't like what they're saying. Uh, and these nuances are picked up. So, uh, especially non-verbally. So it, it feels, it's hard to measure. You were talking earlier, like there, there is no uh, before and after picture, right. you know, like having a diet or your, your teeth whiten. There's no like, oh, look at me before breathing. And now look at me after. Right. Unfortunately, there is nothing sexy to, to, to show you, but you're going to feel it. And you're feeling it because psychologically, physiologically, and neurologically things are happening that work with our mind i mean you know our our reality is is in the perception of it and how we process the the information and what it occurs and and i i could only with what i've been through and the changes that i'm making in life see that you know 
it's not the situation, it's the way that I interpret the situation and the story that I relate to it now, as opposed to how I used to. My story to so many things was just, you know, the one that rolled back to being a, a complete worthless piece of crap. And that's where I like to stay. And it helped keep me in my addiction. And that's a whole another power in itself that, that, you know, a demon that takes over the mind. And so, you know, I can only imagine too, that the, when you are not activating all these chemicals, like you said, cortisol in the mind, that it's going to shift the way in what you perceived occurrences as well. So it's important you're saying that because the only way there, and I don't mean for this to sound intimidating because it, it might sound that way, but the only way to get there is to make it a habit. Uh, the, you think about what you do every single day. That's who you are. What you do every day is who you are. And for me, it was that habitual thinking that led to the wrong thing, right? It's always our thinking that leads into us to something, right? Something positive or negative. So the way I like to unpack it is, okay, if it has to happen every day, what am I going to do every day? And let's make that small. Let's make it small and attainable because in order to break bad habits, you have to install and replace them with new habits. So uh, I know this might sound immature or whatever, but you know, I asked the question, what do you, what do you do for your teeth every day? Right? Like, like you probably brush your teeth twice a day, no matter what, like religiously, I am brushing my teeth, make sure my breath is right. or make sure I don't get cavities. Like we do this since we're like, what, three years old. Great job. Like you, you're taking care of your teeth. That's awesome. What are you doing for your mental health? Right. What are you doing twice a day for your mental health? The answer is probably uh, nothing or it's, well, I work out or I journal sometimes, or I do yoga, or I meditate sometimes. You see that sometimes word, and it's like great that you're doing it sometimes, and that's absolutely great for you. But if you're not doing something every day or even multiple times a day, you're not going to see that old pattern change because that old pattern is still overriding the new pattern. So you have to write that new code over it. So what does that mean? It's like if you can, I mean, I'm sorry, guys, but if you can take care of your teeth twice a day, you got to do something for your mental health. You know, like, like even skincare, it's like, well, I moisturize before I go to bed at night. Okay. You do that for two minutes. Can you do a simple breathing exercise for two minutes? Cause I promise you it's going to help you more than moisturizing your skin. In fact, there's studies done to show that if you're breathing better, you're oxygenating your, your skin more, you're aging less. Like it's just easier to throw that <laughs> cream on your face, brush your teeth, feels good, go to bed. But if you can replace the old habits with this new pattern of, all right, twice a day, I'm going to commit to this every day. And even if it's for like 30 seconds, fine, do it. Because that's going to allow you to, uh, there's a there's a book, uh, James Clear, I think is his name. He, he wrote Atomic Habits. Hmm. Absolutely amazing that you, you read it because it's going to help you understand what it's going to take to create a new habit. And it just means basically you have to have the will to do it and you have to find a way to make it attainable every single day. And then there's something called neuroplasticity, which means that if you do it long enough, 30 to 60 days, it's going to write that code and it becomes the habit. It becomes like, I'm going to brush my teeth because it's just what I have to do. I can't go to bed without doing that. Why would I do that? So <clears throat> the breathing can replace that. Whereas maybe it's not going to replace a specific habit you were doing before, but because you're doing that, now you're installing something that's going to start steering your ship in a better direction. And you'd be surprised what something small can do to get your thinking in a better position because then it all starts to, it starts to uh, compound in the right direction. Whereas catastrophic thinking can happen in the other direction. Whereas like one thought of like, oh, I forgot to do this today. And it's like, man, I'm so stupid. Why did I do it? And you know, I did, forgot to do this other thing. I'm an idiot. You know, I'm going to go have a drink. It's like it, it, you realize these, these thoughts are all connected and it's like you trace it all the way back to that one thought. It's like, whoa, that one thought triggered those other 15 thoughts. And at the end of those 15 thoughts is a drink. Yeah. So it's like, that's, that's that. I mean, that's the pattern and it's so hard to change, but if you can replace something with, okay, you know what, instead of that thought, that pro that thought process, I'm going to do two minutes of quick breathing here five in, five out. And let me see how I feel. If I still feel that way, fine. I guarantee you're going to feel different because there's science happening. It's, Todd, it's funny when you're talking about that. Oh, I forgot that one thing. I'm like, boy, was Todd hanging out around me years ago? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it. Uh, 
Well, let's talk then how through this work you you came up with with Shift. The, the, you know, it's a breathing tool that helps. Um, and and the company that you started as well. Where when did this just come about? Yeah, thank you. So um, it was that friend I, re- I referenced that he's a therapist, and we're and you know we're just having a conversation. He's like, "Look, man, I know you're having a hard time meditating. I'm trying. He's trying to teach to me. And I'm like, it's just not for me. He's trying." trying to sit on the floor with my legs crossed, my back hurts. And I'm like, he's like, now breathe in for five. And I'm like, look, it's not happening. It's just not for me, right? It's great. I believe in it. It's just not for me. So, but you can see that I'm stressed, right? So he gives me this straw. He's like, I know this is gonna sound stupid, but just breathe through this straw for like 90 seconds. I'm like, all right, at this point, I'll try it. So I'm breathing through this straw and not even like 30 seconds goes by. And it was like, whoa, uh, why do I feel my heart rate decreasing? And I felt kind of like I was floating. I felt light. It just felt like I like this feeling. It just feels like I was like stepping into a, a hot tub. It was like, this feels good. Why? And after it was like, what just happened here? And that's when went down this road of like, what is breathing? You know, why, why? And it's, it turns out it's the secret is in the exhale. If you can exhale longer than your inhale, it goes into a lot deeper, but if you can like inhale for four, exhale for eight, if you're stressed, you're going to trigger your nervous system to switch from sympathetic to parasympathetic through the vagus nerve. And what that's what that means simply is that you're going from fight or flight to rest and digest by simply doing one thing with your breath, and that's paying attention to your exhale. So right now, if you guys want to do it, just inhale yeah. really deeply through your nose, hold for a second, and then try to purse your lips and exhale for a while. So just now you're sending a signal to your brain saying, oh, all right, it's time to calm down. It's not time to go to sleep. It's just time to calm down. So I'm doing this and I'm like, whoa, uh, I need to do this more often, right? So, all right, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna breathe slower now. I'm going to work, work on my exhale. And a few days went by and I realized nothing was changing. I, I wasn't breathing longer. I, I, I was kind of just like, I don't know why it just didn't, it didn't stick with me. So... I talked to my wife and I was like, look, like this, this straw breathing thing works, but there's no tools right now that I can, I can buy to do that. So it's like, she's like, all right, you know, she's a fashion designer. So she's like, you know, let me sit with this. So she designed this necklace and we call it the shift because it shifts your breath to shift your mind. And it's, uh, it's, it's a very simple tool. It's like a minimalist tool that you simply exhale through. And it's tested by my friend who's a therapist on the ideal exhale. And you just inhale through your nose and exhale through this pendant and in two minutes you're feeling better and if you can do that a few times a day now you have a habit now you have a wellness habit now you have some sort of defense against stress and anxiety now you have something physical and it's the physical thing that's not tethered to tech it's not an app it's notifications it's just on you you wear it it's got them it, it it's heavy enough that it that you you can feel it you can fiddle with it and it makes you breathe slower, right? So even if you don't use it, you're reminding yourself to breathe slower, but it's got utility. So to me, it's the most important thing I wear. And I'm not even somebody that likes wearing jewelry or a necklace. It's just something that I know is going to make me better. And it's and it does because it forces me to continue the habit of slower breathing. So we started this company. Everybody thought we were crazy because it's like, who the hell is going to wear a straw? You know? <laughs> and, and then who's going to use it? And it was wild, but we started with a few people using it and they're like, Hey man, like I actually like this and I use it. And then we started getting athletes using it and teachers. And I mean, moms in, in labor delivering their babies using it. Uh, it's wild people using it to quit smoking and vaping because it's physical and it forces you to breathe slower and you can use it to inhale as well. So it's like, I mean, people with COPD, we have people that have gotten off their anxiety meds after uh, after 30 years. Like, it, I did not mean for it to do that, right? Like, I just designed it for myself to be like, yo, I need something physical to just chill and that straw breathing thing really worked. And then the science of it was like, whoa, there's something here. So um, so we did it. We called it Camuso because uh, a random event happened right at that time. We ran into this guy selling flutes. Turned out they're connected to these 17th century monks that used a flute to uh, meditate. And it was like, whoa, uh, straw breathing, science of breath and meditation with an object that you breathe through. It's like, bingo. So 
to us, it's like the company is, uh, is, is rooted in breathing better, but breathing better with something physical that's going to force you to do it. And when you can do that, now you're off and running because now you have a wellness habit. Yeah. Uh, that's in, I see that's, and you're the first person to ever educate me in the breathing part, how important the exhale is. I was always very focused on the inhale. Okay. Get a full breath so that I got enough to breathe out and I'll be damned. Well, that's important too. Like, let's say you're trying to bench press 250, like sure. take that inhale, like take it a lot. Cause that's your oxygenating your, your, your body to get into that, you know, sympathetic, which is good. It's fight or flight, but it's actually good fight or flight because you're creating burst, right? You're creating that, 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 that burst you're going to need to, to lift the weight. But like, how often do you need to bench press? Right? Like you're not going to leave that state very often. So the cool thing about breathing is there's different ways to get up and down. You know, there's techniques that, um, you know, bellows breathing where it's, you know, 20 very rapid and intense breaths in a row with, you know, that's like a cup of coffee or shot of espresso because you're getting a lot of oxygen into your, uh, into your brain very quickly. And you're going to feel up because of that. But I think a lot of us need to kind of come down and come down in a way where we're down regulating from a sense of anxiety because it's causing us to live in that elevated state. So sure. yeah, I mean, learning about breathing, it honestly, like, I, I didn't think there was that much there, but it turns out that, that there is so much, I mean, just breathing through your nose, breathing through your nose is going to release nitric oxide into your, into your blood cells that are going to oxygenate your blood cells to allow you to do all these other things. It's like, so, so just one piece of advice, shut your mouth. Do not <laughs> breathe through your mouth. If you guys run, work out, close your mouth. Cause you're going to, although you're going to feel like air hunger, you're going to be able to build your endurance to, uh, to what's happening. It, it's a lot, there's a lot of science involved there, but, um, and you'll learn it if you pick up Nestor's book breath, but it's, it's so interesting in that it all goes back to no one taught us, you know, like yeah. I don't, no one taught me how to breathe until I was 34, but now <laughs> that I know I'm living a much better life because of that. So that's the message is like, we could just do a better job. And once you taste that first couple moments of like, whoa, breath just saved me uh, from whatever it was, from a drink or from an accident or from uh, punching a wall, like that will make the difference. And that's going to tell you, oh, well, if that's possible, what else is possible? 5150 is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams and working hard, and always striving to make those dreams your reality. We believe life is too short to sit back and say, what if? Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road. That road you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. So listen up. There's a special deal for listeners of Knocking Doors Down. Go to 5150LTM.com and enter code KDD20 and receive 20% off your purchase. That's 51FIFTYLTM.com. Yeah. If people want to find out more about the company and the shift uh, necklace, how can they do so? Yeah. Thank you. So you can, you could just Google, uh, the shift, uh, breathing tool or, or the company is actually called Combuso design, K O M U S O design.com. And, uh, obviously it's good for a gift. It's good for yourself. Uh, we have different variations. We have bracelet version. We have one that's like a sport one. It's called the active shift. Uh, that's got like an adjustable cord. Um, we have a kid's one coming out, but, uh, this is really, it's a simple tool that anybody can use. We always get the question like, well, who buys this? It's like everybody. We we don't have a target demographic. It's just there is no person that doesn't buy it because it's we all have lungs, right? So and we all have anxiety. So it works for anybody. Well, I'll include the links there in the uh, podcast description for uh, the listener or viewer. All right, Todd, we're going to do a shift right now. This is where we have uh, some fun with some random questions. How about it? Let's do it. You can have dinner with any one person, living or not. Who would they be and why? Uh, Marcus Aurelius. Really? Y yeah. Emperor, uh, former emperor of Rome. This guy wrote a book thousands of years ago that is still, it's just his meditation. It's called Marcus Aurelius Meditations. And it's hmm. just his, uh, his view as an emperor on what was happening in Rome. This guy's ruling an empire and his thoughts are still relevant today on what he struggles with and how he accepts what he can control versus what he can. I got a lot of questions for him, and that would be an interesting conversation. <laughs> I can see that for sure. Uh, 
for whatever reason, uh, some producer picks up kind of your story of uh, of of the shift and and the way it's transformed your life. Decides they want to make a movie or a, a series on Netflix. Who would you want to play adult you? Oof. Okay, I'm going to go with Justin Timberlake. All right, Timberlake is somebody that I feel like understands me, uh, and i i would I would say he can articulate me because he reminds me of me in a lot of ways, although he's a lot better dancer and singer than I am. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be exciting to watch. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. Well, that leads me to an interesting next one. You're stranded on a deserted Island. You have one movie and one music artist, uh, greatest hits compilation. Who would they be? One movie would be field of dreams. Uh Um, That's, that's just an old hit from, uh, from, from my childhood. Yeah. Brings it back to baseball and playing cash with my dad. It was a, it was, it was a big one. Um, what music? Oh man! I mean, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Frank Sinatra. He just always puts really? me. Really? Yeah. All <laughs> yeah. right, Frankie, baby, huh? <laughs> Rat Pack. Yeah. We used to always joke that uh, Field of Dreams. That's the one movie a man can cry in. You know, before we went, it's okay for men to cry. Period. It's very healthy. But yeah, that was our one when the the scene at the end. Yeah. Hey, Dad, you want to have a catch? Have a catch? <laughs> it's like oh, oh, weeping. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, exactly. I'm not crying. You're crying. Oh. <laughs> Who's cutting onions in here? <laughs> yeah. Right. That's just my allergies. I swear. I swear. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, hey, Todd, thanks. This is this has been a, a pleasure and very insightful. I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely connect with you personally. And um, you know, I want to know more. I'm gonna pick your brain because uh, I would love that. Thank you. Yeah, this is uh, the reason. This is all selfish for me. I hope the the listener viewer gets as much out of it as I do. But it was like this is an area I've been exploring. Uh, you know, everything from some of the different breath work that you mentioned. My brother's big in Wim Hof, and you know, so I really wanted to 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 pick your brain on it. But uh, I'm going to ask for one more thing. You kind of leave us with some final thoughts, maybe for just some wi- wisdom, a little nugget there for people. I got a little nugget for you. So. I just want you guys to ask yourself more often, how do I feel? Um, if you can do that a few times a day, just the, like, I know it's going to sound strange, but the awareness of what's happening is more important than you taking any other action because the awareness is a muscle you're going to build. That's going to lead you to the action. But unless you do that, you can't change anything. So just ask that question. Okay. Wake up and ask yourself that question. When you're going to sleep. Ask yourself that question. It's going to lead you down the right path. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast featuring celebrities, experts, and everyday people who have overcome adversities, including addiction, mental health, and trauma to live purposeful lives. And that's what Knocking Doors Down is all about.